1: Eighteen plus. Hello, Hello. <laughs> what's going on? We're back. We're back. Hi guys, we uh, we're back. It's your favorite spooky gals. I'm Nicolina. I'm Marie, and this is Paranormal, your favorite non-investigative but still true scary story podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Paranormal podcast. And uh, yeah, sorry I, I fucked that up. It's been a no, while. You're great. <laughs> um, and yeah, there's you know it's summer. That's one thing, but also there's been some things that have uh, kind of delayed our ability to to meet and get together, and um, among those are, we just wanted to address some of them, and, you know, Marie has been going through some stuff health-wise with, well, I don't know, a lot of things, actually.
2: Yeah, uh, <laughs>
1: apparently not to laugh
2: no no it's, it's how i deal with trauma mm-hmm. um, apparently having a baby can really really affect your health yes yeah. so totally it's fucked up mm-hmm. um i know i've like made Passing comments about um, my pregnancy on the or my labor um, on the podcast before, but just like long story short, I developed preeclampsia late in my pregnancy, which I don't think I've ever actually mentioned on the podcast of what it actually was that was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my blood pressure started getting like super high uh, again recently, and my doctor was like, You need to take a vacation and just slow down and stop working on things and just relax.
1: Yeah. You gotta keep that heart rate stable. <laughs> yeah. Stable. And then, uh and then
2: that that's really yeah, that's all I'm really gonna talk about in regards to my health.
1: <laughs> yeah, fair. That's fair. And uh and while Marie was going through that shortly after not shortly, but I guess during not mm-hmm. throughout yeah. the whole thing, but um I had really shocking surprising news um of uh, a loss of a very close close member of my family my uncle frank uh passed away he is my godfather i have he's been part of my family's life uh, since before i was born um and he has a wonderful wife who is my aunt josie and his two children uh francesca and joey and they are like let's just say I felt like the only grandchild for about 12 years and would just pray and beg that someone in my family would have another baby. And my aunt, Josie, eventually um, she had lost her first James. And then a few years later was able to have Francesca. And that was like the most exciting moment of my childhood was when Francesca was born. So um, yeah, their family means a lot to me and this was not a prepared loss. Um, so yeah, been going through that with family, didn't really feel like recording the last two weeks. Uh, it happened, uh, right at the end of June and we obviously had funeral, all of that stuff and it's just, yeah, it's been, it's been a lot. So when I started a new job, the same, like basically that week as well so yeah. yeah anyway uh going to try and get you guys as much new content as possible and put our uh best foot forward for you but please just um just be patient with us uh there's usually a reason why we don't record if they're if we don't so that that's yeah. it yeah so we've got you know a good full episode today and i'm kind of excited because i had actually planned this This story prior to this all happening, and it was during Pride Month, and I really wanted to cover it because I thought it was really compelling and Mm -hmm. uh, uh, really, you know, interesting. Actually, it's two stories, but yeah. Anyway, uh, excited to do this one, and Marie, yeah, is going to do a story as well. I don't know who's first because I have... It's been months. We can months. find out,
2: yeah. If you um, we can take a gander.
1: But we can do our horoscopes first, if you would yeah, like. Yeah, definitely let's do our horoscopes. Cool. So I can do yours. Well, sure. Yeah, okay. So Gemini, this is why <laughs> I snickered uh, prior to reading this. Your sensual side is likely to show itself today, Gemini. Oh. <laughs> You might find yourself viewing young folks in tight jeans more appreciatively than you usually do. <laughs> what? Okay. Hold on. Okay. Racy okay. novels and movies might also suddenly seem appealing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Romantic encounters are intense and passionate, so make sure you allow plenty of time for them. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Um.
2: <laughs> Not really uh, relatable today, but Mm -hmm.
1: Mm.
2: I will say, (laughs) so I watched the documentary, The Girl in the Picture, Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. and
2: I had previously watched it, and then I was at my mom's today, and she wanted to watch it, so we are watching it, and there's one part, or not one part, there's a part um, where we find out who the girl in the picture really is, her real Mm -hmm. name, Mm -hmm. and then um, they show a member of her family, a male member of her, her actual family, her real family. Right, right. Um, and they show a picture of him as a teen. And I was like, oh, he was handsome back then <laughs> to my mom. So maybe looking at younger people. I mean, <laughs> but I don't legal, know. he was of legal age. Legal age. That's, that's good. That's always good. Um, but no, really, it did not ring true at all. <laughs>
1: yeah that's a weird one
2: it's so weird it got it so sexual there it was they, they usually
1: scary. Don't get u- it. they usually just like keep keep that to like one line of you know the, not the entire not yeah. the entire horoscope but they're like, you,
2: like. Need mm-hmm. you need some dick
1: you need some dick
2: okay okay leo today you're likely to be in just the right place at the right time to meet the right person you're overdue <laughs> Lucky break, and probably not expecting it. You may start the day in a restless and frustrated state of mind, Leo, but whatever happens will catapult you out of it. Be prepared, this transition may involve vast changes in your life in the long run, if not immediately.
1: Mm, I mean, I didn't go anywhere today, so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the right place, right time would have all have to have been done virtually. (laughs) Um, I had a few meetings today i okay. did have a meeting that i was talking to my like coworker slash superior and then in that call they said oh I'd like you to come into our next meeting because I think that you would have a lot to contribute and say to that other meeting but like i wouldn't really say that's Right place, right time, sin- situation. Um, okay, it's it would be grasping, really grasping. So,
2: well, maybe in the long run, it will catapult you. It might.
1: It. it I mean, right? it was it was helpful to be part of it. I do have something really funny to share. Um, I don't know. I know that a lot of our listeners are in like midwestern states, and mm-hmm. maybe even. I feel like west coasters don't really notice our accents, but the midwesterns definitely definitely do. And I am working for an American company now, and everyone on the call, especially the ones that have like that like kind of twang to their not not Texan, but like they have like a kind of a North Carolinian, North okay. Carolinian dr- drawl to their 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 voice sure anyway those people tend to really note canadian accents or pick up on them a lot more than others do um because and i just don't typically talk to people from that part of the the states it's usually like you know bordering canada or whatever the ones close by or the ones that just i don't know anyway so um I'm in this call, and I see these two individuals literally start, like, in a very courteous and, like, friendly way start kind of laughing as I was, like, saying something. And I was like, are they laughing at me? Like, are they laughing at my... Oh, no. My my hand movements because I like talk with my hands a lot Mm -hmm. and then at one point I noticed myself doing it again and I kind of called myself out and they were like and a boot a boot and I was like I do not say a boot and they were like (laughs) I'm like they're like "Mm, you kind of do they're like it it, like the oop part I guess was way more accentuated in my in the way I was speaking casually um so yeah, apparently I say that. I'm like, I didn't haven't said A or anything. And then they started talking about Letter Kenny. And I'm like, I do not speak like the guys in Letter Kenny. Come on. Sure. Enough. <laughs> but then they were like, um, the two of them were just like, it's almost like watching like a Canadian hockey game live on TV. Like the <laughs> and like, like you're okay. like, I'll take that. Oh <gasps> that's, that's, that's fine. that's fine. I'll allow it. I'm fine I'll with it. It's it. it's fine. They were very nice about it. It wasn't like they were making fun of me. They were just like, oh, yeah, it was just I think they're not used to talking to Canadians very often.
2: Well, so. they're going to get used here to it I am. now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> here I am. I've never been in a situation like that where my accent's been called out. So that's too funny. So it's usually me calling other people's out. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, uh right. So yeah, let's 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 get to the episode, I guess. Sure. Um, so because we've had so
2: many re-releases, I honestly just don't know whose turn it is. Is okay. yours super long or is it short?
1: It, it it's a bit of a medium one, so okay. I can go. I'm good to go.
2: M- mine's short, so if you want oh, okay. me to go first,
1: if yours is short, then maybe then maybe go first ju- then.
2: Yeah, we'll just sure. get her out of the way. Sounds good. Um. So I'm gonna talk about. We're gonna go back to. The Cold War. And we're going to go all the way back to... Same. When... Shut Same. up. Okay. Yes. Literally, this period in time is so just nefarious, I feel. Like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe mm-hmm. it just feels that way because so much time has passed that they release the information of, you know, and then one day they'll release what's been going on in 2022 and we'll be like, oh my God, 2022 was crazy. Right. But anyways... So we're going to go all the way back to when there was literally nothing that the CIA wouldn't run an experiment on and there was no limit to assassination operations that they used and planned to use against foreign leaders. So back in the day, the CIA basically had unrestricted activities. They could could, and would do basically whatever the fuck they wanted and they were not being looked at. But then came the Watergate scandal, which is another conspiracy theory that was proven to be true. And I almost covered it for this episode because I actually don't know anything about the Watergate scandal. I just, you hear the name and you know who was involved, but like, I. That for me at least, i do. So, did you not watch Dick as a child? No, I didn't. <gasps> I was obsessed with that movie. <laughs> so I'm gonna look into it, and maybe I'll do a deep dive episode into that. And all of the, our, like my, mainly our listeners are American, so they can just howl at
1: me finding out finding version. out the information. A live reaction of you finding out everything oh to do God. with it. I also, sorry to interrupt, but I, I had know. no idea uh, who D.B. Cooper was until oh, really. I didn't know, didn't know. Oh my god, no way! Okay, and I was like, okay. "That is so Canadian of me." Canadian of me to not know, <laughs> to this. not know
2: DB Cooper. I yes, I know of DB Cooper, um, but we should totally do just a live recording of me reading articles about Watergate. <laughs>
1: Okay. We should. We We're really should do a Dick. live stream of it.
2: Or maybe I'll watch Dick and we'll just open every episode with a recap of whatever.
1: Perfect. So just an FYI, we are you are also doing conspiracy theories that turn out to I be am. true.
2: Okay. Yes, I am. When you said that I was like, Oh, I bet you I could find a good one. Yes.
1: So, Perfect.
2: So uh so anyway, after the Watergate scandal, which was a conspira- which was a conspiracy theory that ended up t- Being true, obviously, after that, the American people were intensely interested in the activities of their intelligence agencies. So finally, after almost 30 years of running amok with American tax dollars, Congress decided to look into just what America's internal and external intelligence agencies were doing. They created a select committee that was chaired by Idaho Senator Frank Church, and the committee was tasked with investigating the depth of criminal intelligence actions, and they found some weird stuff, and I'm going to tell you about one of them. It is called the heart attack gun. The CIA had its people researching all kinds of ways to kill its targets, They really, really liked the idea of poisoning people, but they wanted something that was undetectable and they wanted something that would mimic a heart attack because heart attacks are so common. Enter Mary Embry. She went to work for the CIA when she was 18 years old and had just graduated high school. What a wild time. Now you have to go to school and take out student loan debt for like minimum four years mm-hmm. and then you get to work for free as an intern for years before you're even allowed to make a $30,000 salary which you can't survive off of, while also working a part-time Makes, make job it make sense, to pay your Marie. bills. So, make it make sense. But back in the 70s, Mary was 18, had just graduated high school, and was working for the CIA. So she was a secretary in a division that would make hidden microphones and other audio, uh, audio surveillance equipment. She was then promoted to the Office of Technical Services. And while she was there, she eventually was tasked with finding an undetectable poison. Through her research, she found out that shellfish toxins were the best choice. So Embry didn't actually know that she had been made part of this project that was called Project MK-Naomi. It was a very secretive program that was formulating biological weapons for America's Cold War arsenal. It was also the successor to the far more infamous Project MK-Ultra. This is a quote directly from Morgan Dunn's article in the all uh, in all that's interesting, and it sums up her role quite beautifully. While so quote, while other MK Naomi projects were dedicated to poisoning crops and livestock, Embry's findings were destined to form the basis of the brass ring of black ops, killing a human being and getting away with it. So. In a lab in Fort Derrick, which was an army base that was committed to biological warfare research since World War II, researchers under Nathan Gordon, who was a CIA chemist, mixed the shellfish toxin with water and froze the mixture, mixture into a small dart. These darts could penetrate clothing, but they would leave only a small dot on the target's skin. Once the dart was inside the body, the dart would dissolve and the frozen poison would melt. It would then enter the target's bloodstream and cause them to go into cardiac arrest. All that would be left behind was a small red dot where the dart pierced the skin, but the dot was as as unremarkable as a mosquito bite, and because it would take a few minutes for the poison to do its thing, the assassin had enough time to get away without being noticed. So then I thought, like, wouldn't, like, even if, even if they did get away with this and they shot the dart, and also another article had mentioned that the feeling of it piercing your skin felt like being bitten by a mosquito. Okay. So you would never know right. that this had hit you. Right. Um. So I thought, even if that was true, it's not like they're shooting a blow dart. It's not like they're like... Like, they're shooting a gun. So would the sound of the gun not give them away? Mm. So I was looking into that, and not exactly. The darts were fired from a modified cold M1911 pistol that had been fit with an electrical firing mechanism. It had a range of 100 meters, and it was almost silent when fired. So I don't know if I said that gun name right because i'm in canada and i've never even seen a gun in real life we don't know but <laughs> but that's it so no now, parlay
1: gun lay, <laughs> gun lay.
2: <Lugan. laughs> now If this sounds like some kind of evil version of the Spy Kids movie, just keep in mind that in 1957 and in 1959, there was a KGB hitman named Borden Stashinsky, and they had used a very similar, albeit less refined, weapon with success. And years after Embry left the CIA, she advised that the the, um, gun had been tested on animals and prisoners and the effects had worked. Soon after looking into the CIA's nefarious activities, the Church Committee found out that former President Nixon had effectively shut down MK Naomi in 1970. They also learned that Dr. Gordon, the chemist that we had talked about earlier, went against the orders of Dr. Sidney Gottlieb, who was the head of Project MK Ultra, and had secreted 5.9 grams of shellfish toxin, This was nearly a third of all shellfish toxins that had ever been produced at the time and vials of toxin from cobra venom in a Washington, D.C. lab. So there was a highly publicized hearing for all of the illegal shit that the CIA was doing and CIA director William Kobe was called to testify. He brought the heart attack gun to the trial and allowed the church committee members to handle the weapon as they asked him about it. It's not known what happened to the gun after this single public viewing. And to go along with things we don't know, we also don't know if the weapon was actually ever used to assassinate anyone. The toxin may have been further used as a suicide pill for American operatives or as a powerful sedative and put aside for one operation. But Kobe stated on the stand that, quote, we are aware that the operation was not, in fact, completed. So partly because of the Church Committee's investigations, in 1976, President Ford and then later Reagan signed an executive order that forbade government employees from engaging in or conspiring to engage in political assassination. And that is the true story of the CIA's heart attack gun. And I got my information from an All That's Interesting article that was written by Morgan Dunn. There was one on WeAreTheMighty.com that was written by Blake Stilwell. And there was another one on HistoryOfYesterday.com by Andre Tapalaga.
1: Damn. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. I have one, so I'm going to do my second story first because it's in line with, weapons of war and okay. things like that so um but mine is uh, related to the second story like the first story that I have as well so perfect
2: um, do you want to
1: take a quick break and then yeah we'll, we'll take a little, little breaky poo and then we'll come back and uh, I'll do my my two stories perfect so um like i said i wanted to do these uh stories during pride month but unfortunately we weren't able to do them so i'm doing them now but my first one and the first conspiracy theory is the idea of what they refer to as gay bombs Shut which up. Is an all was in an, in an all that's interesting article as well, and basically, um, in 1994, the U.S. military actually considered building a gay bomb. What the idea of a gay bomb came from a desire to debilitate and distract opponents, but not necessarily kill them. Yes.
2: Opponents.
1: Yes, in war.
2: But they called it a gay bomb?
1: Yes. You'll understand why i I'm so in a excited
2: to hear what they're thought.
1: <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. So the concept of a gay bomb sounds like something out of a bad science fiction movie. A bomb that would drop a mixture of chemicals on the enemy and literally make them fall in love with another to distract them from their wartime duties.
2: I knew that's what it was going to be, but I thought that's too ridiculous
1: it's for the government. Sounds impossible, far fetched, <laughs> ludicrous that no one would possibly attempt it, but <laughs> someone did. Okay. The Department of Defense did. In (laughs) 1994, the U.S. Department of Defense was looking into theoretical chemical weapons that would disrupt enemy morale, debilitating enemy soldiers, but not going so far as to kill them. So researchers at the Wright Laboratory in Ohio, um, a predecessor to today's the United States Air Force Research Laboratory, began exploring some alternative options. What existed, they asked, that would distract or delude a soldier long enough to mount an attack without causing the soldier any bodily harm? The answer seemed obvious. Sex. But how could the Air Force make that work to their advantage? In an act of brilliance or insanity, they came up with the perfect plan. They put together a three-page proposal in which they detailed their $7.5 million invention the gay bomb. The gay bomb would be a cloud of gas that would be discharged over enemy camps that contained a chemical that would cause enemy soldiers to become gay and to have their units break down because all their soldiers became irresistibly att- attracted to one another.
2: Uh, th- <laughs> makes perfect sense.
1: Basically, the pheromones in the gas would turn uh, turn the soldiers quote unquote gay, which sounds totally legit, obviously. Um, of course, very few <laughs> studies have actually produced results that back the proposal, but that didn't stop them. The scientists continue to suggest additions to the gay bomb, including aphrodisiacs and other scents. Um, the haliotosis bomb and gay bomb are informal names for those two theoretical non-lethal chemical weapons that United States Air Force Research Laboratories speculated about producing. Obviously, some body spray advertisers claim that their products contain human sexual pheromones, which act as an aphrodisiac, right? So kind of in the same way that they're hoping to achieve this gay bomb. Okay. In the 1970s, um, copulins were patented as products which release human pheromones based on research on rhesus monkeys. Subsequently, androstenone, auxiliary sweat, and vomodors have been claimed to act as human pheromones. Despite these claims, no pheromonal substance has ever been demonstrated to directly influence human behavior in a peer-reviewed study. Few well-controlled scientific studies have been published suggesting the possibility of pheromones in humans, though. Using a brain imaging technique, Swedish researchers have shown that Homosexual and heterosexual male brains respond differently to two odors that may be involved in sexual arousal, and that the homosexual men respond in the same way as heterosexual women, though it could not be determined whether this was cause or effect. The study was expanded to include then homosexual women. The results were consistent with previous findings, meaning that homosexual women were not as responsive to male identified odors, while the response to female cues was similar to that of heterosexual males. So basically, heterosexual women and homosexual men had the same response to the same odors. Okay. If that's what their study is going to include, I I guess. Okay. There's so many variables there that are probably not accounted for, but that's what they deduced from that study. (laughs) uh, I'm sure many issues with it. According to the researchers, the research suggests a possible role for human pheromones in the biological basis of sexual orientation. In 2008, it was found using functional magnetic resonance Imaging that the right orbital frontal cortex, right fulstrum form cortex, and right hypothalamus respond to airborne natural human sexual sweat. In both of the documents, the possibility was canvassed that a strong aphrodisiac could be dropped on enemy troops, ideally one which would also cause homosexual behavior. The documents describe the aphrodisiac weapon as distasteful but completely non-lethal the New Discoveries Needed section of one of the documents implicitly acknowledges that no such chemicals are actually known. The reports also include many other offbeat ideas, such as spraying enemy troops with bee pheromones and then hiding numerous beehives in a combat area and a chemical weapon that would give the enemy bad breath, also known as the halitosis bomb. And so they would literally be able to smell their enemy coming from a mile away. Okay. So, they would drop these and then they would be able to smell them if they approached. They okay. also considered a flatulence bomb?
2: Wow. Yeah.
1: And okay. uh the plan was to make an enemy so smelly that they could could sniff them out. Okay. Um, despite the drawbacks for their work in such an innovative field, the researchers <laughs> who conceptualized the gay bomb were awarded the IG Nobel Prize a parody award, which celebrates unusual scientific achievements that first make people laugh and then make people think. However, Air Force personnel contacted were not willing to attend the award ceremony at Harvard University's uh, Sanders Theater to accept the award in person. Thankfully, this gay bomb was only ever theoretical and never put into action. So Mm -hmm. that is the gay bomb conspiracy theory that was actually somewhat tried to be be brought to fruition sure okay um now this other part is the kind of the the bigger story that i wanted to cover Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: that is the development of gaydar So the Canadian government, and this was at one time just a conspiracy theory, but has now Mm -hmm. been proven true, that the Canadian government was so paranoid about homosexuality that it developed a gaydar machine. And the truth (sighs) is that it really happened.
2: I'm shocked that this is real. This kept coming up in the articles that were like true conspiracy theories and i was like this is so embarrassing for us it's so
1: embar- it's so embarrassing so i got my information from the national post and from cbc so literally our top one both top, top news, news sources articles. they are facts so um it really happened in the 1960s the government hired a university professor to develop a way to detect homosexuality in federal employees He came up with a machine that measured pupil dilation in response to same-sex erotic imagery. The Canadian government used it to exclude or fire more than 400 men from civil service, the military, and the Mounties. The American government is just as guilty with these 10 secret U.S. government operations revealed. But Canada, um, which doesn't really have as big of a budget as the U.S. military poured thousands and thousands into what they called the fruit machine. And yes, yes, very problematic. Yeah. Uh, And it was wildly unsuccessful, but it was a series of homosexuality tests developed by the government security panel, which coordinated federal security campaigns and reported directly to the cabinet. According to former Vancouver Sun journalist John Swatsky, his book Men in the Shadows, the RCMP Security Service, Prime Minister John Deffenbaker never knew about the exact nature of the project, but accepted the panel's advice that gays needed to be removed from public office by way of concrete proof of their sexuality. It was quite devastating, said Gary Kinsman, a Carleton sociology professor who co-wrote the Canadian War on Queers, National Security as Sexual Regulation. Especially early on, hundreds of people lost their jobs in the first couple years in the early 1960s. People would be called into a security official's office, and they would be told, we have evidence that you may be a homosexual. What do you have to say about this? Like, I just,
2: I, okay. Uh, What, like, I understand – I don't understand. I understand that there are people who are, like, homophobic, obviously. Sure. I don't understand why. Then, yes. But I understand that they exist. But, like, what – like, why was it so important to them that they were not employing I'll get, somebody? I'll get to that. I'll okay, get to thanks. why
1: they, they think you. that this is some sort of – yeah. Okay. So the fruit machine consisted of a series of questions – people would sit in a chair resembling one you might sit in in a dentist's office, and flashing images of mundane scenes contrasted with pornography that people in the 50s thought gay people would like. Think half-naked carnival strongmen. (laughs) Subjects who were told the machine was measuring stress sat in the chair and watched the images while scientists noted their pulse rate, skin reflexes, breathing rate, and pupillary Response. Okay. The Canadian War Museum displays a, a similar thing, which is an E-meter that the museum says was used to detect homosexuals during the Cold War. However, it it has been said that this was not what is actually what was actually used. Um, Kinsman is adamant that the E-meter was never used as part of the fruit machine. We protested it. We challenged it. We said this is not the fruit machine, at least not the fruit machine that the Canadian government was trying to develop in the 1960s. An e-meter is a machine that measures the small amount of electricity that runs through human skin. While e-meters are used for certain clinical trials, they're most widely known for their association with the Church of Scientology, which (laughs) uses them to test for uh, thetans, which are secret alien souls that control all of our thoughts and emotions. (laughs) Um oh. <laughs> during the auditing process of his members.
2: OK, that makes so, sense.
1: Yeah, the church had been court ordered to admit that by itself. This meter does nothing. It is for religious use by students and ministers of the church in confessionals and pastoral counseling only. But um, the fruit machine looked like something out of science fiction. The plan was to monitor as many physiological variables as possible in the hope of finding a reliable method for identifying homosexuals without arousing the fear and anxiety involved with a polygraph test, test. So enter Frank Robert Wake, a Carleton psychology professor, the government recruited and sent to the United States for a year to study the homosexual detection measures that were being developed there. They paid him about $5,000 or about $40,000 in today's dollars. There, he came across a study uh, that an American university professor had recently done for a marketing firm in which he strapped a camera to subjects' heads and measured their pupil dilation as they roamed a grocery store to see which product packaging interested them the most. Hmm. Wake decided this would be a perfect basis for his project. Of course. A camera measured their subjects' pupils as naughty images flashed. Okay, if there's this pupils, is, this
2: doesn't seem like totally like a totally shit idea, like that. Okay, okay but it kind of is.
1: It kind of is. I mean, I know. I'm just- yeah, Like I get where he was like, oh, okay. Yes. Like I get the I get the science like behind it for sure, but like no, no. <laughs> okay. If their pupils dilated when they saw someone of the same sex, they were a homosexual and therefore a threat to national security.
2: A threat to national security. They thought
1: they were a threat to national security. On what? On what grounds? Like on on what, what grounds? grounds that they were vulnerable to blackmail from evil Soviet agents? Soviet agents, like male agents, like
2: oh, if they're gay, they're gonna fall in love with these hot. Like they're Soviets? just gonna
1: succumb to 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 blackmail attempts by so the Soviets.
2: <sighs>
1: okay. However, they say that. The Soviets never tried to blackmail them. The only people who ever tried to blackmail them were from the RCMP themselves. Of course. Who tried to force them to give over the names of lesbians and gay men that they knew. Of course. Immediately, the team ran into a problem. The technology for performing such tests in a sexual context was unknown and had to be invented. Although it's true that pupil dilation indicates arousal or interest, the tests failed to take into the account that Pupils also react to light, <laughs> so going from a brighter photo, Bright photo to a darker one caused the same reaction as sexual interest. I'm so stupid. That's
2: so <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm like I could also totally run an experiment.
1: Yes, you could totally run an experiment about how much uh. your child loves you or your husband based on just visuals of your each, each oh, of you. Oh man. Um, so a problem, they spent a lot of money trying to remedy with no success. Mm-hmm. The exact uh, numbers remain unclear, but according to Kinsman, the Canadian government spent more than $80,000 in today's money, probably 100000 actually by the time this report today, mm-hmm. um, on the fruit machine in one year of testing. It wasn't just some bizarre little experiment that a couple of people in the corner over there in the RCMP or in the military decided to do, he said. It never could work, it never did work, but the government poured thousands and thousands of dollars into it. The project was plagued by a litany of other problems, um, including the fact that any bisexual subjects would have completely negated the test. The test cameras also had to be mounted from the side so as to not block the subject's views of the images, which Mm -hmm. made their pupil size even harder to measure. Ultimately, the project collapsed when the homosexual panic died down, and the government decided its coffers no longer ran deep enough to justify breaking new scientific pupil measurement barriers to oust gay people from their jobs. The fruit machine scientists requested more money, and the Defense Research Board which had never been interested in the project in the first place, according to Swastky, readily cut the funding. Thank, Thankfully. Thanks, thankful. Defense Research Board. Yeah, thank you. Like too many Canadians, filmmaker Sarah Fody had once never heard of the fruit machine. That changed in 2002 when she arranged to meet a man named George Hartsgrove to discuss a potential documentary about his failed attempt to open Canada's first gay and lesbian retirement home in Ottawa.
2: How adorable. Right. Would a retirement home be?
1: Yes. I know.
2: That warms my heart. I literally felt my heart grow grow a size. Two
1: sizes. Yes. Right there. Um, And he explained that... That the home was ahead of its time and basically they didn't, I don't think, get the funding for it. Um, The women and men it was being marketed towards would be hesitant to live in a rainbow-adored brownstone given that they were the same cohort who had their sexuality driven underground during the fruit machine era, Hartsgrove told her. She was like... She's like, what? What the hell is the fruit machine? Oh, my This story, along with the stories of survivors of the gay purge of Canada's military and public service, were the focus of her documentary called The Fruit Machine. And its world premiere was in 2018 on June 1st, the first day of Pride Month, at Toronto's Inside Out LGBT Film Festival. I didn't have a cue, I guess, at the end at that time.
2: That's all right.
1: Um, When she first started researching the film, she was shocked this had ever happened and how long it continued. It actually began in the 1950s and wasn't eliminated until the early 1990s. Holy fuck. But as her work continued, what what surprised her most was how this went far beyond people losing their jobs. For many, losing their jobs was the least of what they endured directly because of the campaign. Poverty, homelessness, having to go back in the closet substance abuse gay aversion therapy sexual assaults and for some unaliving themselves oh the consequences of this whole campaign was a scenario from a horror story
2: that's horrible
1: and she believed that it was a story that everyone in the country should know about um she's right this is not something we learn in canadian history books but we should we should and if you remember in 2017 Prime Minister Justin Trudeau delivered a sweeping apology in the House of Commons to those caught in the gay purge. And the federal government has reached a settlement with survivors that includes $110 million in compensation. Good. So that is the true story of the once thought of conspiracy theory of the gay dar machine.
2: I cannot believe Also known believe as the brute machine. Holy crap a mess a mess a whole dang mess These. oh my god i can't stand it just stupidity for 40 Um, years and it went on until the 90s like Like, get i don't know if that means that
1: like other organizations were trying to sure that's what it means
2: it's leverage
1: it like i don't know
2: just ridiculous how unfortunate
1: very very unfortunate so anyway um I'm glad that Justin Trudeau issued an apology, although Mm -hmm. late and yeah, just obviously that compensation isn't enough for those who were impacted by such a horrific means of targeting people based on who they love.
2: I cannot believe that. What a horror...
1: Like, I I really... Things
2: like that bother... You know they bother me, like, so much and just really thinking about how you're literally yeah like you're targeted and your your life is just considered less than because Mm -hmm. of something as beautiful as love like yeah just being persecuted like i just can't imagine being persecuted for loving my husband or my like you know i don't know it just
1: fucking is insane idiots um. Anyway, so now we're gonna do uh, some some fuck, Mary, some fuck kills. Mary kills with we're we're almost near the end of cancer season. We'll get this out right before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I don't have my list yet.
2: Okay. You want me to go? Yeah. I'm gonna do Solange. Okay. I'm gonna do Khloe Kardashian. Okay. And I'm gonna do.
1: lana del rey okay i am going to marry lana del rey interesting yeah mary lana del rey okay um i am going to kill i don't really want to kill any of these people in all I honesty i know right I know. um i don't hate any of them i don't think that they're like that bad um or, like, I've got, no, th- they all deserve to continue on with their lives. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Solange. I'm going to kill Solange and then sleep with Chloe Kardashian, I guess. Okay. Um, I'm... Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no. No, We're I, I, I it, it was really a toss-up between um, sleeping with Lana Del Rey and marrying Chloe. But... I don't want to be part of the Kardashians. I really don't. I feel like I would not survive them.
2: Okay. So I would kill Lana Del Rey because Mm -hmm. when COVID happened and she did a meet and greet, she wore a mesh mask. So it wasn't like doing (laughs) anything. Um, (laughs) Like it wasn't fucking doing anything. Um, I'll have sex with Khloe Kardashian because she's beautiful. uh, Even though a doctor made her that way. And I will marry Solange because she kicked the shit out of Jay Z in that elevator.
1: Yeah, like I'm totally for (laughs) Solange doing that. But I don't really know enough about her. That's the only reason why Fair enough. I killed her. So Okay, we're gonna go with some classics here. We're gonna Mm. go with Tom Hanks. Love. Meryl Streep. Love. And um Tom Cruise.
2: He's dead immediately. He kill Tom, Tom Cruise. Okay. He should have okay. died so long ago. I
1: Scientology. We already talked that about it. Tiny Done. man.
2: <laughs> um, and then I will. I'll have sex. Okay, with I'm, changing. Tom I'm Cur- changing. I'm changing. Uh, I'm changing okay. it. I'm changing it. Okay.
1: okay. I'm changing it. It was too 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 easy.
2: It was the kill was too simple. The kill
1: was too simple, <laughs> and that needs to be hard. So here we go. We got Tom kay. Hanks. Okay. Meryl Streep. Mm-hmm. Will Ferrell.
2: Will Ferrell. Okay. S- gonna kill Will Ferrell. Um, uh, sorry. Um, I mean, hilarious. He's funny. He is yeah. funny.
1: Okay.
2: Um, kind of feel like he's always playing the same type of character, though. So it's whatever. Sure. Tom Hanks, I'll marry. No, I'll have sex with and Meryl Streep, I'll marry.
1: Okay. Yeah. You know what? I might do the same thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that I'd probably do hard.
1: the same thing. That wasn't hard. No, no I'm
2: just kidding. kidding. Uh, Will, yeah. There
1: There could be, there's, you know, but no, you're right. Those are, that's just the answer. It's just the answer. <laughs> if you threw Margot Robbie in there instead of Will Ferrell, I don't know. I wouldn't kill Margot Robbie.
2: I don't know. I just like Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks too much to kill them. I so think that's much. what it is. I feel, so yeah, I feel like no matter who you threw in that scenario...
1: It would, they would need um, to just die.
2: Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, anyway.
1: Okay. That's well, it.
2: That's it. That's our episode today.
1: That's our episode.
2: I hope you guys liked it. I hope um, it was a good welcome back episode.
1: Yeah, it was a little deviation from our standard, like, I guess, paranormal Ghosts. ghost stories. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the paranormal yeah. genre is quite broad. So, so
2: you guys just make sure to continue sp- being spooky. Stay spooky. Yeah.
1: Because that's showbiz, baby. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar! That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.